Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Han. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm right, thanks. How are you? I'm very good indeed. Quite weak. <laughs> <laughs> this week, I realised how Kofi Hanan feels. <laughs> like, Kofi Hanan, like, hey. <laughs> he got out of there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Kofi Hanan, man, like, just... <laughs> <laughs> pure, pure. <laughs> you know, you see Kofi Dan talk about race. You're like, hey, why does, how did his beard go gray so fast? You're like, oh, now I get it. Now I get it. What's been really amazing, my friend Jessica Horn, shout out to Jessica. Um, I gave Jessica a call earlier and she sent me this incredible link on Instagram of all the amazing things that the protests had achieved so far. Mm-hmm. really amazing and she was just like yes she's like speaking out is worth it like if everyone just does their bit it's really really powerful to see that from her because you kind of seen i've done a lot of different stuff and she was like no like everyone is making a difference and it was really really empowering but yeah i still feel like if you're now <laughs> <laughs> yeah all good we went for a burger on saturday didn't we we did the burger was very good Had a nice burger in the sun should we shout them out grindhouse it was good. Yeah, I mean, was, you can, excuse you if you, I, that's breaking your rule of yeah, disclosing yeah. Well, places that we eat. You want to give something to the people, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm a man of the people. I like to, you know, hand out some, hand out, give some daps. So I, th- I said, you know, listen, the, the, um, the burger was very good. Um, the sweet potato fries are very good. I will say this, the milkshake, I've got to say Grindhouse, listen, you were slipping on the, <laughs> you were slipping on the milkshake. You didn't. Oh, your face when that milkshake came out. I wish I'd taken a picture. You know when like you see a video of a kid at Christmas and they open this gigantic box yeah, and it's just not what they thought it was going to be inside? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Same energy. Same energy. Exactly. It was like a, it was the size of a thimble. You know when you go to like a basketball it wasn't, game? It was, it was like, it was, it just wasn't a, you know, you expect a, you expect a milkshake, you expect to be like a, a big, yeah, yeah. A big, you know. It felt it was, like a, you know what it was, to be honest, to be fair, it was like a size of a coffee. Maybe it was a good thing. I mean, nice. saving you from yourself. Basically. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, that's been happening. Yeah, my goodness, it's true. What else did you do? Do you know what? I've been doing a lot of writing, a little bit of listening to some music, had another movie night. Oh, what did you watch? Uncut Gems. Oh, I still, do you know what? I've still not seen Uncut Gems. I haven't I, brought myself to do it. Because it is the it's most a, stressful thing I've seen in a long time. Yeah, they, well, their movies are really stressful, aren't they? You'd love it because it's full of sense. You'd love it. You'd love it. Well, it's, yeah, it's... Um, is it One O Tricks? One O Tricks but never did the soundtrack because he does a few of their movies. That, I think that makes perfect sense. That makes yeah. perfect One O Tricks. That's okay. That's a. Per- so actually, it's interesting because it's the most disorientating movie I've watched. And I felt like I was. I was like, I, I I've never known what it'd be like to be on coke for two and a half hours, but this feels like they're, they're trying to make me feel like I'm on coke. Mm. That must be it because it's like this the most disorientating movie I've watched. And I actually went to read some reviews afterwards. And the reviewers were like, basically like, don't doubt yourself. Like you're not delusional. This is actually how it, how it feels. Have you seen um, Good Time? The one they did before? I Robert, Robert Pattinson. I haven't, but I don't think I will. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I didn't have a good time watching it. Put it that no, way. That's, a, was, that's so stressful. The, the funny thing about this movie as well is that 
the, the genius of it is that I don't sympathize at all with the protagonist, but I feel deeply, I feel his character deeply. Kevin Garnett's in it, right? He's brilliant. Um, he's, yeah, I'm gonna, do you know what? I need to watch that because the internet's been telling right? me to watch that for months and I'm doing my thing where I'm watching everything really late. I started he, watching Star Wars in chronological order with the addition of Solo and Rogue One in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Extremely brave of you. I knew they were bad, but I forgot how bad the first three Can were. Can I be honest with you? Do you remember those old school quality streets mm. before they took out the really disgusting ones that everyone complained about? You know, like quality yeah. streets, every quality streets at Christmas, for those who know this podcast a bit older, there were a couple of chocolates in the quality streets that were always left till the end. Yeah, they had no place in anything remotely fun. Shout out to everyone who knows this, right? I'm going to take you back on a journey. So there were two in particular that were really disgusting. We go, we're going pe- on a walk. Was, yeah, there was the peanut cracknel, which was in the blue wrapper. And the Montelemar, and I've never tasted anything like Montelemar before or since. It was horrifying. And they always lasted like six months. And there's two of those Star Wars movies that are basically the Peanut Cracknell and the Montelemar of sci-fi. First two. No no matter how much you rewatch them, they cannot be unseen. In terms of like the Mm. the, the awfulness of of, of those aspects cannot be unseen. Yeah. Yeah. the, The third one is less dreadful, but still, I'm not a super Star Wars nerd, right? So I don't care enough to be like, Oh, they should have done this, this, and this, but but it's deeper man, than that. It's, yeah. it's deeper than that. It's like when there's a, the great poet uh, Stephen Camden, aka Polar Bear, referred to something as the absence of feeling. And when you watch a couple of those movies, they're actually very good scenes inside them. In, you know, in the first two movies, they're actually some brilliant scenes. Don't get me wrong. Mm. And then even in third, some great scenes, great transitions. But the overall sensation is an absence of feeling. And when you come out of a sci-fi movie. The telltale moment when you emerge into the sunlight or the dark after watching the movie is, have you been somewhere else for two and a half hours? Have you disappeared? And when you watch those first two Star Wars movies, you never go fully under. Mm. You never immerse. You know what I mean? That's the key. It's not about whether you're, it's whether, did I immerse myself in something for two and a half hours? Mm. Um, And the best movies give you that, whatever genre they are. Shout out to Donald Glover in as Lando Calo in Solo, because he, very cool. I couldn't bring myself to watch more than half an hour of it. Yeah, I mean... I'm classing this as something I have to do. Yeah, right? that's good. That's fair enough. Yeah. It was like when I watched Game of Thrones after everyone had finished it. So I just got, I've got to do this so I can actually understand what people are talking about. It's like eating avocado. You don't want to do it, but you have to do it. Avocado, it's like that. Let's not go there. I'm not doing this again. <laughs> okay, let's talk about some football. That's almost a civil war. A civil, <laughs> there are that, enough that, civil wars going on in the world with us, us two fighting again. Divisive. <laughs> <laughs> I got told that I should I have to wear a roll neck because, oh, we should probably clarify for those who don't know, we're a day late because it's all my fault. Um, there were a load of audio problems yesterday and instead of recording it, rushed. Yesterday afternoon, we decided to do it. a bumper one today because we're going to be doing the Ask Cast on Friday with Andrew Mangan. So... We're just going to do one big podcast today yeah. because there are a few things that came up in the what ifs that we want to expand yeah. on. But quick Bundesliga roundup, yep. kind of as you were at the top, apart from Leipzig extended their lead over Gladbach. Gladbach and Leverkusen both lost. Obviously, Leverkusen lost to Bayern 4-2. Shouts to Florian Wirtz, who became the Bundesliga's youngest ever scorer, 17 years old and, th- well, 17 years and 34 days. Beautiful goal too. Broke the 15-year record held by Nuri Shayan. Yeah. Gorgeous goal. Gorgeous goal. It was a lovely goal by Florian. Bayern 1-4-2. Bayern were good. Leverkusen were missing Kai Havertz. 
Dortmund beat Hertha, Hertha's first defeat under Bruno Labbadia. Not a good game, but a good fight from Hertha. Obviously. Yeah, they were, they were, they did, they did well. They did, yeah. Hoffenheim drew with Fortuna. Alfred Schroeder has been sacked by Hoffenheim over, well, apparently a dispute in where they see the future of the future direction. One of those ones. Mid-table, I think, is the answer to that. But anyway. But yeah. La Liga's yeah. back this week. So we're going to be doing La Liga next week. Oh my God, La Liga's back. Wow. Premier League's back the week after. We have a league. We have a league. I've got leagues. Speaking of leagues, Frauen, yep. kind of as you were again at the top, as the top three all had big wins, right? Very much so. Just only real news from that. Well, the big news, the huge news, shout out to Jasmine Schreimler, um, who broke a great story. Lena Oberdorf, regarded by many commentators who know the game, including Jasmina, who's a great follower on Twitter. Um, the most complete young talent in world football, which is big for Wolfsburg because they lose two big talents in midfield, Claudio Neto and Saarbjörk Gunnestatir, the latter being one of the best defence midfielders of a generation. Mm. But to bring in Oberdorf is huge. And what's been really adorable is watching all the comments on her Instagram, like from Alex Pop, but it's so funny. I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> Alex Pop tagged herself in her comment. I don't, I don't think she uses Instagram very much. So she basically was like, oh, this is amazing. And she tagged herself as well. Bless her. It was, such like a, it was such a kind of like, I don't, it's the most Ugandan auntie thing I think I've seen a footballer do. <laughs> she's, too, she's too busy playing all 10 outfield positions to be that's, using Instagram. Yeah, that's true, actually. <laughs> So that was kind of adorable. Um, so yeah, Lena Oberdorf, and I'm really excited because we'll get to watch her next season. It's just me yeah, saying. we should definitely go when we're, we're allowed back in stadiums. I've still Dude, been to a Wolfsburg Frown game. I can't wait. It's such a nice vibe. The people are so mm. cool. Before we go on, 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 I haven't done my uh, propaganda. Oh, here we go. Please go and vote for us in the British Podcast Awards. Listener's Choice, britishpodcastawards.com forward slash vote. Search for Stadio. Please vote for us. Go and vote. Hmm. I think we're doing the most consistent drive for people to go and vote. We are doing the most. <laughs> it's normally me doing the most, actually. It's it is usually do, you doing the most. I'm so normally, I'm glad I I'm, could do my part. I'm normally extra, so it's you. I'm glad it's you. But yeah. No, I've, you know, if we don't win, whatever. But I really want to win. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and last week I said that if we do win, I'll buy a Ronick and wear one. That's incredible. In the Berlin summer. That's incredible. That's really incredible. That's, that's coming yeah. to the cause. Yeah. There we go. That's, an incentive, that's an incentive for you. Oh, we're silly today. Very silly. Better than last week. That's true. That's true. Very much so. Very much so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing too much. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh, it's good to see you laughing though. Yeah, and it's good to be laughing again. You know, it's not a thing I've done too much of in the last few days. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> good to give it an out. Go. Good for morale. Indeed, indeed. Should we do some what ifs? Let's do it. All right, here we go. What ifs? Shout out to Conrad. Well, thanks to everyone who sent in loads of what ifs as ever. I want to start with this one by Conrad Field. What if there had been no Corona and the Euros had just started? Who do you think would be the favourite? I think the favourites would be France. I don't think France would win. For the same reason, I don't think Holland would win. Because I think the problem with France and Holland is people see them coming. So the winner would be someone else. Ooh. I think Belgium would be in a shout. Yeah, uh, no, Hazard's not been himself, and I think you just lose too much. You know, if you look how good the True. World Cup Hazard, the look how good the World Cup he had was. Yeah, De Bruyne is great, but De Bruyne is also amazing if you've got someone who's an outlet. And basically, La- Lukaku on form though. Agreed, but Belgium without Hazard at his best is like Argentina without Di Maria. 
you can isolate the threats more easily. You can mm-hmm. isolate what De Bruyne is doing. You can isolate what Lukaku is doing. He kind of... Yeah. Would he have been fit again by now? He would have been fit, but would he have been... Match fit? Yeah, exactly. I don't think it would... I think I think Belgium would have been a bit sluggish. Unfortunately. Yeah. They've got a lot of really, really, really strong players, though, if you think about it. Carrasco, Mertens, Hazard, Lukaku, De Bruyne, Fitzel in midfield. That's pretty... Fitzel's been great. Fitzel was great yeah. towards the end of the season. There would have been a good shout for the last four, Belgium. Sure. Shall I dare say it and suggest that maybe it would have come home? That's actually a great shout because England were peaking at the right kind of time. Yeah. That's a really good shout, you know. And you look at the season Liverpool had, come off the back of that, Oxley chamberlain looking good, Henderson. England would have been a really good shout. This time. Short answer, comrade, is we don't really know, but there are a load of teams who would have done all right. Now, let me own it. Let me actually be bullshit and be like, this is the hot take. France were the favourites. Let me just own it. I'm feeling quite spiky today. Yeah, France would own it. France. They'd be the so favorite. you should be. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't it's know. my podcast and I'll hot take if I want to. I don't know who would have won the Euros. <laughs> you know who would have been slightly dangerous in this, in this tournament? Germany. Hmm. They would have been slightly dangerous. Do you know why? Actually, yeah, young guns. And Hansi Flick had them peaking. Like, and look how, look how amazing Bayern looked in the later stages of the Champions League. They would have taken that form. They could well have won the Champions League, Bayern. Key factor for Bayern, though, is Thomas Muller, who's not in the German setup anymore, though. Remember? Yeah, that would have been too late for him to come back. Good point. They wouldn't have brought him back in. They're too proud. They no. would have been too proud to pick him again. Yeah. I like that one. Great what if. More, more, more. Here's another one. Ryan Follen. What if Ryan Giggs chose to play for England? We've not done this one, have we? If Ryan Giggs... That's... Wow, Okay. I mean, it gives them balance. Paul Scholes doesn't have to be out there. Paul Scholes can play midfield. Maybe you lose the Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard tandem in midfield. So you know what's funny about this? If Ryan Giggs played for England, this is actually this would never have happened. But the ideal thing, I would have had him in a four-three-three as a wide forward, like a left wide forward. Yeah, I mean, if England played four-three-three with. Gigs wide like, but then where's Beckham go? Because Beckham can't play really as a wide forward on the right. You play him as one of the three in midfield. Um, I actually would have put him on the right as a three. I would have used him. I, do you know what? Because I think there's always, if you look at like Real Madrid, right when they were peaking, they had Zidane in a kind of like loose wide left. I wouldn't. Have, I would have had him basically as a highly energetic right winger, but like push him further into the, the front three. I would have had him like really high up. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that works. I don't think he works as a centre mid in a three. I don't think he works there. I actually think Beckham's best position was more central. And if you play him on the as a kind of De Bruyne vibe, right of a three. Oh, like a, like an eight. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because he never yeah. they never used him like that. That's interesting because that's, you can like he can that. still get into positions where he can cross. But he wasn't, he was never the fastest D-back. I never liked, I've got to say, I never liked him in the midfield too. I think as a three that I like the De Bruyne idea. Mm. I like that a lot. So you maybe have uh, Skulls as the Javi role with uh, Lampard, the workhorse and D-back, the De Bruyne. That's the three. That's oh, good. Oh God, that means That's you leave good. Gerard out though. Ooh. No, you have Gerard as, then you have him as your wide forward. Have him as a wide right. Have him as an inside right. He could oh, play no, that. I just, I know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think that fits. I think you need someone else really, really kind of playing in that position. I don't know though, because all the great international teams have had one player who sacrifices. That's the point. Look at, look at Brazil, right? Mm. What, 1970 Brazil? Yeah. Well, they had the, half the squad. Yeah, the half the squad sacrificed <laughs> to Pele. Yeah, and the, they could do it. So I reckon, 
why couldn't Brazil? And, and this is the thing actually that Rio Ferdinand said. It wasn't wasn't actually tactical in the end. It was about selfishness, Rio Ferdinand said. So solving the conundrum of an unbalanced England 11 because of a lack of a natural left-sided forward player or winger, then you're creating a... You're not the actually problem, making it more balanced in that way, are you? Uh, you're not, the, problem with England was mean? Never, the problem with England was never the lack of a left-sided player. It was never that. Like if Pep Guardiola had coached that England team, he would have just played a 4-3-3 and we would never have talked about the left side. Yeah, maybe. We never would have talked about skulls on the left. It wouldn't have been a thing. Guado would have been like, oh, it's 4-3-3. That's it. What's, what's the hassle? But uh, I'm going to go uh, full. I'm going to go 3-4-3. Play D-Beck and Giggs as wigbacks. <laughs> well, that actually would have been Both amazing. Got the stamina for it. No, that would have been amazing. Legitimately, that would have been incredible. It would have been because Giggs, um, Daniel Harris made a great point on Twitter. He said Giggs wasn't a left winger. Giggs was a left midfielder. Mm. Giggs covered a remarkable amount of ground and you could even one thing you might say you know left 3-4-3 or even 3-5-2 even which worked really 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 well for a certain period under you know Hoddle it looked really good Um, yeah I think a 3-4-3 oh my goodness actually Giggs you know what that's actually an incredible shout I think that's even better Ryan thank you 3-4-3 3-4-3 for England with Beckham and Giggs is, and we have the ball playing centre-backs to do it. Mm-hmm. You can hide Terry's lack of pace as well. And then you get to use Terry's passing really well. And if Ledley King had good knees, that's the biggest one yeah. in football. If Ledley King's knees, if Ledley, if Ledley King had cartilage. Imagine that back three, King, Ferdinand, Terry. That is terrifying. Yeah. That's amazing. Who would you play up front as the three? Uh, you'd have to have Shearer though, really as the peak. As, you know, peak, you'd have to have Shearer though, you would. Mm-hmm. Defoe and Rooney. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like have him in the in the Tevez role that he played. Well, he played that role like for United. You can have Defoe and Rooney as the inside forwards, and then have someone central. I love that because Defoe caused so many problems by himself. Mm. Yeah, Defoe would be amazing. And you know what? Let's be honest. Let's just leave out. Let's let's actually be like a real, a brilliant manager would leave out brilliant players consistently. If you consider how long um, David Silva was left on the bench for Spain. And Cazorla was barely in with a shout. A great manager leaves out great players. So actually, I'd have Carrick as the, as the defensive midfielder. Oh, I like that. Carrick is the DM. And then screw it. Skulls is the eight. Turn it together. Really, if we're going to be real, if we're really going to be like... What well, you could play three in there and just play two up top. Could, yep, could do. Could do. Oh, this is fun. This is fun. Okay, then. So <coughs> I think it'd be Skulls and Lampard. You know, I don't think, Beck, I don't think, I don't think Gerald would start as my... I'm not sure if he starts one of my eights. I mean, he could, but I mean, the good thing is... I think, I think, I think you could probably interchange, depending you know, on the opposition. I know, even better, no, do you know what you'd do? This is what you do. You'd have Skulls and Lampard defense. as the eights. Skulls and Lampard as the eights, and then have Gerard playing off the lone striker. Because Gerard was absolutely devastating in the final third. That's where he was... He I quite like that. He, that's when he did all his most dangerous. No defence responsibility because Skulls and Lampard could actually put the, the foot in. And then you play Rooney up top. Yeah, why not? That's devastating, Ryan. No one wants that problem. Yeah, that's fun. That's a hell England, of a team. Devastating. Wow. That's a hell of a team. I like that question. Wow, I love it. There we go. We've uh, sold it. There we go. We've sold it. Uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with more What Ifs. Let's do it. 
All right, back from the break. More what ifs. BritishPodcastAwards.com forward slash vote. What if Sadio won the Listener's Choice Award? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be unbearable. I'd be absolutely unbearable. You would, actually. We'd both be. It'd be terrible. I might retire. I start name dropping <laughs> on like Zoom calls. Oh, yeah. Uh, did I mention I? Did I mention? No. The award winning Sadio Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It'll never happen. Anyway, this one, speaking of things that would never have happened. Segway. From Chris on Twitter, Worthinguna. What if Southampton hadn't sold all their players? Walcott, Chamberlain, Van Dijk, Mane, Lalana, Bale, Shaw, Klein, Alderweireld, Wanyama. And I'm going to add Poch in there as well as a manager. That's a top four team. Probably more as well. Champions League final team. It is. It is a top four in the Premier League in its Champions League final. And the only reason it doesn't win the whole thing is squad depth because that team on its day beats anyone. That's a terrifying team. And if you think as well, Lovren, he was in a team that won the European Cup. Yeah. And he was very good at Southampton. He was very good because he was in a role that suited him as opposed to being exposed the whole time by this sort of high line. Throw Callum Chambers in there. (laughs) But Ward Ward Prowse as well. He's a nice player. Yeah, but a really good good sort of player to have in the mix. Good at set pieces, can create chances. Man. You know, that's, that's a lovely team. There are a lot of players who have gone to a Champions League final there. Yeah, Southampton probably would have won the Champions League by now. There you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Won the league, won the Champions League. Is there anything else I can make up that's just... Light work. Easy. <laughs> you think if they'd all peaked around the same time, mm. they definitely you'd say that they were definitely on for a top four. Yeah, I would say so. I'd or top so. six, definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Oh. If only, if only. Okay, I'm going to say that the the one that we were going to do on Thursday for last. Yeah. Uh, this one from Bear on Twitter. What if Hazus Gill is not Hazus Gill and Atleti would have had a Raul Ronaldo tandem right after the league and cup double? Oh my goodness, that was like ninety five, ninety six. That changes domestic football. That changes. Yeah, I mean, any anywhere Ronaldo goes changes football and that combination would have been wow I think Atleti won a Champions League at some point in the last 20 years at that point because the kind of players you attract to Atleti who want to play with those two and it destabilises it will destabilise Real because Real at that point wouldn't have won a Champions they didn't win a Champions League again until 90 I think 1998 was their first Champions League in 32 years or whatever 30 odd years mm. I don't think they were that champions. I think that the thought of Raul and Ronaldo was so stressful at Atleti in their own city because they're very good at winning Champions Leagues, top set Barca, but on their own doors, that have an Atleti on their own doors, that I think it's so stressful for Real. They don't get, and I think that actually one of the big players who'd otherwise go to, I think someone like Sadov goes to Atleti. Oh, because Sadov is so. He's so free thinking and he's so like gutsy. And I think Sadov is like, you know what? I like the project. People are going to say, this is the thing. People start referring to Atleti as a project in the mid nineties. And then once a team becomes a project, then you're doomed because then everyone wants to go there. Can you imagine how good Sadov would have looked in an athletic kit? Terrifying. Ronaldo, you kind of had it because he was at PSV with the red and white stripes. Exactly. They would have become a generation's favorite team with that configuration. Wow. Because they, yeah, and then you would have had like Fernando Torres coming up, having seen them, having idolised them, and without the burden of being the kid, so he wouldn't have had to leave. 
and they wouldn't have had to sell all those players. So basically, they had those big. Pl- they wouldn't have to keep selling people on. They were just built, you know, because of the debt thing. Yeah, unreal. Simeone and Sadov in the same midfield. You get no change out of that. I reckon then Sadov becomes his number two as manager. No one wants any parts of that managerial partnership. I feel like they were a midfield partnership. I mean, just I'm just I'm still getting over the terror of confronting those two in the same midfield. Oh I mean, God. that's a that's a miserable that's a miserable evening. That's a very miserable evening. Hey, I feel a I feel a couple of injuries in the warm up coming on. That's a two day ice. That's a two yeah. day ice bath. Exactly. Oh, I just done uh, just done my calf in the warm up. Oh, oh daddy, uh, you're already home. Daddy, you're already home. Hold the kickoff. Yeah, you know what, son? You know what? Ah, oh, but daddy, we're looking forward to the game. Yeah, do you know what? I just I've done my back. You'd never believe it. I've done my back. <laughs> do you know what? Actually, just didn't fancy it. I'd hide in the shed. Hide in the shed. <laughs> that is scary good it's terrifying alright one for Paul Scrayton uh, I think it's kind of accepted that Mourinho was about to sign for Liverpool in 2004 so what happens then especially to Chelsea and we also had another one from someone apologies I can't find it but there was another one where someone said what if Abramovich hadn't taken over Chelsea so should we merge the two yeah why not why not let's do it let's do it okay so Mourinho goes to Liverpool in 2004 mm, but Liverpool didn't have the financial backing really that he had obviously at Chelsea Mourinho to Liverpool in 2004, I don't think it... I don't think Mourinho becomes Mourinho. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He dodged a bullet there because he didn't have the infrastructure that he got at Chelsea. Let's back up a sec, actually, because there was another follow-up question that we had. Well, not a follow-up question, but a question that kind of relates to this from James Horncastle. Mm. He said... Oh, wow. Hey, shout out to James. Uh, what if Paul Scholes' goal for Manchester United against Porto had been allowed and Mourinho never gets to run and celebrate at Old Trafford with Castina? So, let's say... That Mourinho never wins that Champions League. Wow. And therefore it's 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 irrelevant whether he goes to Liverpool or not, because I don't think he's on as many people's radars. No, that's right. He doesn't leave Porto, I don't think. Not that year, no, not that year. No. No. Oh my god, because that changes everything, because then Monaco win the Champions League. Or do they? Or do well, they Manchester United go through though? United go through Yes, but let's assume United go on and win the games that Porto win, which is very, was, it was evident, you know, it's, it's entirely possible. So then you have Monaco, Manchester United. Oh, okay. That changes everything because looking how easily Porto handled Monaco in a head to head, United actually beat Monaco in that game. This is the thing though. That Monaco side wasn't bad. They beat, it wasn't, they it beat was, that really, really good Chelsea side 5-3 on aggregate. They did, they did. But in the final, United basically had Porto on the ropes for much of those ties, the two ties. They had the two top goal scorers in the competition as well. They, they did, but United was significantly better than Porto and Monaco. Monaco got stage mm. fright as well. That's the thing. On the night, they kind of froze and Porto just basically counterpunched them each time. And United, I think, had the... And they'd also been done by Monaco in 97. So they were aware. They weren't complacent. You know, Monaco mm-hmm. got, Monaco beat teams who were complacent about them. And the defeat to uh, Monaco in the Champions League was so traumatic that I don't think it would have happened again. Um, and United didn't get beaten by, they didn't really get beaten at a certain point by underdogs that much. Uh, once Ferguson worked out Europe, they tended to win the games they should have won. Mm. Does that make sense? There was a point when United were like, they were a bit cocky and they were a bit open. And then after a while, they were like, actually, we got our thing together. I think yeah. Ferguson also leaves United earlier because if he wins in 04, if he wins the Champions League in 04, 
them that he doesn't have to like have that horrible period of trying to regain dominance, mm. find himself again that he has when he wins the title in 2007, the Premier League. And that's like, no one saw that coming. Like people are basically like writing Ferguson's obituary in 05, 06. Mm. But if he wins in 04, that buys him more credit. So he leaves United, I think, earlier. I think he leaves like a couple of seasons earlier, which means that United end up getting someone like a Guardiola or a Klopp. They basically get their pick of, basically put it this way. Well, I mean, do you think Ferguson would leave in 2004? No, I don't. I think he'd leave. I think he would leave several years after that. I think he'd leave several years later. But what I think would happen is, I think Ferguson would leave at a time when he'd won enough Champions Leagues that all those big managers were on the market at around the same time, you know, Klopp, Guardiola, whatever. And then United basically a much more attractive proposition to top managers. So United get another generationally great manager. Because the big problem with United and Ferguson when he left was not all those great managers were on the market at the same time. And United had already transitioned to becoming a club that was a franchise. So do you think that he maybe leaves in 2008 after that Champions League? I think, or around, I think he leaves, I think he yeah. leaves much earlier than 2013, basically, is what I think. All right, so let's think about this, because this is fun. So Mourinho, do, Porto don't win, United win the Champions League. Yeah. So when did they go out in the round of 16? I think so, yeah, 16, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got a manager there who has been knocked out in the round of 16 to Manchester United as Porto coach. And therefore, the first part of his, I mean, that's, that's not special. There's no special one there. There's not, there's not. So he doesn't go to Chelsea. So who goes to Chelsea? Benitez? Does Ranieri even leave though? Hmm. I mean, I think he does because that's Abramovich's project. He wants to bring in. So Abramovich would have been told, who's the big guy? Who's the guy I should bring in? Did you see Bernitez going to Chelsea instead of going to Liverpool in 2004? I mean, why? Yes, I can't. Oh my God. Yes, of course, because he was amazing. Or does Ancelotti go in 2004? Because bear in mind, he's won the Champions League the year before that. Yeah, but does he, throw money, at, does he throw money at Ancelotti like he throws it at Benitez? I don't think he does that. I think, uh, well, I, I think he does. I think more so, actually. I think actually Ancelotti is a better shout for Chelsea at that time, 2004, with money after winning the Champions League the year before. So United win it that year. Yeah. And say Ancelotti comes in with that money. Oh, and actually, to be fair to Ancelotti, he did great things at Chelsea in the league. He won a double. Yeah, exactly. He was brilliant. He was brilliant. So yeah, Ancelotti at Chelsea, the players love Ancelotti and the quality of the players they already had was unbelievable. And right. also, think, of, I think, think of the amount of money, sorry to cut in, but think of the amount of money Chelsea had at that time compared to any other club. Oh my God. Ancelotti coming in with money, could you then see potentially someone like Pirlo at Chelsea, Pirlo at Chelsea or Seydorf at Chelsea? Or- oh my God. Yeah, of course you could, because that was the natural thing. It would have been absolutely, who wouldn't want to hang out in London with Pirlo Shevchenko and earlier. Oh my goodness. That's terrifying. Shevchenko actually earlier. But yeah, because they were mates, it would have worked. Shevchenko two years earlier. Dude, that's frightening. You've genuinely scared me there. Drogba and then how different? Well, Drogba doesn't Dr- go because Drogba, yeah, Drogba, Drogba doesn't end up there because no. he's Mourinho's guy. And Lampard still becomes Lampard because Lampard. So you've got Lampard and Perlo in the Chelsea midfield. That's terrifying. Bring in Nesta playing next to Terry. I mean, why not? You know, why, this not? Is a- why not? Why not? <laughs> that is absolutely terrifying. And also, the- wow, wow, that, that is. Uh- so where does Mourinho go then? Pep goes to Barca in 2008. 
well, becomes Barca manager 2008. Yeah. Well, Tito Villanova never gets his eye gouged. That's a no, fact. That's true. Mourinho never ends up at Real Madrid. I reckon Mourinho goes to Inter. I think he goes to Inter at some point. I think it was early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe he goes to Inter in 2004. <gasps> Do you know Mourinho ends up going? How about if he ends up going to Man City? Instead of Sven? Yes. Yes, because actually, do you know what he does? He does a job interview at Man City. They're about to give it to Marie. They're about to give it to Ericsson. But Mourinho turns up with his team. He's really stung because his whole trajectory has been knocked off course by losing to United. He goes away, maybe wins like a kind of like UEFA Cup again. And everyone's, he's on everyone's radar because the UEFA Cup win was really impressive. Like, let's not forget that was really impressive. He goes away, licks his wounds puts in a couple of strong showings and then gets an interview for the City job and this, blows mm, away blows away the staff. Those four years though are going to be big though because remember Abu Dhabi grew didn't take over City till 2008. So that's a, that's a lot that can happen in that four years. He, he probably has to go and win. Well, he can't, mm, will he win the UEFA Cup though? With Porto. I don't think he wins it again but he goes deep. He goes deep in, well, yeah. Within the Champions League by then, won't they? I think he maybe gets a couple of years at, at Inter before the City job. I think so. I think he goes to Inter. Inter is such, it has Whoa. such Mourinho, it has such Mourinho energy. But then the Inter treble never happens. No, it doesn't. Of course not. No, no, God, no. Would we even be doing this? If Paul Scholes' goal had been allowed? You'd be in your alternate career. You'd be doing that thing that you did in your alternate career. <laughs> that changes wow. everything. Wow. I love those ones, man, where you're just like, oh, but then what? Oh, but then I what? Think I, have a, I think I'm actually living in New York, you know. I think it so changes Spurs my- manager now then, Poch still? Maybe Do you know what happens? Another big Italian manager goes to another Italian manager goes to um the Premier League. A big because if you look at the Marino thing, the Vias Boas thing, people basically like football is a copycats. Football is a copycat sport. So basically if someone gets a player, like someone gets a Makalele, everyone wants a Makalele. Right. Mm. And so if someone gets a an Ancelotti, everyone looks for that kind of avuncular Italian manager type. Everyone wants to play. So then it becomes a kind of like, like you know, like with, with Scandinavian players became the it thing at mm. a certain point in the Premier League. It becomes like that. People start looking at Italian managers and Italian players. Because also like Mourinho brought in a load of like Portuguese talent to the Premier League. And that became a thing. Oh, like, what are we missing from that league? So people start looking at a league that was successful. They start going, oh, if the Italian league wins a Champions League, which Italian players can we pull out of there? So you see more Italians in the Premier League and less Portuguese. Wow. That's wild. Wow, wow. It means you okay. may, may, may not get Cristiano Ronaldo because you may not think the Portuguese league is a league that produces world conquering talent. That doesn't mm. happen, potentially. Potentially doesn't happen. I think you still get it. But the problem, I, I think, the thing is, then though, is that how where does Ronaldo's development go? Is that, and I don't think he comes. I don't think he comes to. I don't think Ronaldo comes to the Premier League. I well, think. I, think if, I think if United win that Champions League in two thousand four, I don't think they make a move for someone like Ronaldo. No, right, exactly. We did have a question about this. Sorry, there's a few Man United ones here, so I apologise. But there was one from you and Cunningham. What if Javi had joined Man United in two thousand and one? It doesn't work. It doesn't work for the same reason Veron doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's a, it's yeah, a they're mistake. not ready for that kind of change. And they're too similar. Chavian skulls, 
they weren't they wouldn't have turned they wouldn't it wouldn't have worked because they wouldn't have put Chavi in a four three three with him and Skulls as the two eights. They wouldn't have done it and then it would have been a disaster because you for that to work, you'd have had to have Keane players the holding midfielder, which he could have done, but his game wasn't about that at that time. And so everyone would have said after a few months, what's all the fuss about? Why did we buy Chavin? We've got Skulls. And Skulls spent that like awful period trying to transition to being a second striker. He did it in the end, but it was really hard, tough going on him. Um, I think if you do that, you unbalance a team that's already good. Mm. Yeah. And Chavi doesn't become Chavi and Spain don't become Spain. If Chavi had gone anywhere else, yeah, he needed Barca. to stay there. Yeah, there was that thing. Was it, was it AC Milan as well he was going to go to? They offered him 10 times the money. Uh, Which is the thing, Xavi was never going to leave. This is the point to remember. Xavi was offered 10 times the salary that he was offered at Barca by Milan and he said no. All right, this is the one where I wanted to talk about. There was a quick one in there saying, what if Mar- Maradona had signed for Arsenal but the league blocked the deal in Ryan, 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 Ryan. Don't do that to yourself. I really, I know you talk about save great men for themselves. I say this as someone that cares about you. <laughs> save Arsenal fans, listen to this podcast. I love you, Arsenal fans. I'm saving you from yourselves. I'm not going to entertain that because you will, you'll be weeping. If Maradona had signed for Arsenal in the 80s, then Messi would, wouldn't be the GOAT. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm completely joking. But I'm just saying that's, <laughs> how, that's how radicalised the debate would have become. Can you imagine Arsenal fans on the internet now if they'd had like four or five years of Maradona? Mm-mm. Unbearable. No, Mar- I'm, Maradona I'm, and you know Brady. I'm, I'm glad Maradona never signed for Arsenal. Just so we wouldn't have to go through that. <laughs> All right. Two questions that are kind of linked. One from Jack Saunders and one from Claire Tully. Jack says, what if the Bundesliga introduced a draft system like American sport? And Claire said, what if there was a college slash university football program similar to college sports in the US? I really like these questions. They're great. And they're kind of linked. They so, are indeed. So let's think. Okay. Um, I mean, you'd have to restructure the entire professional football world below kind of reserve development teams. So footballers would get to like really, this is actually pretty amazing. You get to like watch, you get to watch Steven Gerrard play for your uni. Well, yeah. I mean, so, so let's say, so there was a rule introduced that said football players could not sign for professional clubs until they'd completed one year of university. Just like in the NBA currently. One year of college. Although they're abolishing that soon and going straight from high school, but still. So therefore, you would have universities given scholarships for soccer slash football, depending on where you are in the world. And then you would have a draft every year. But would the drafts then be country by country? So you could only draft from universities in your country if you were in the Bundesliga. Regional drafts. So basically you'd have these like pockets of universities all over. So for example, the Premier League could only draft from English universities. I just got really excited. Sorry, sorry, carry on. This is interesting though, because if you hold off the age that you can play first team professional football until 19, there's a lot more space for development there. Yeah. There's also, if you can only draft regionally, there are more players from those countries in teams in the league, I suppose. And then you can only trade. I got really excited. Go on. Robert Prozanetsky from the University of Belgrade 
goes to <laughs> Manchester United. I'm just thinking about a European-wide draft. You know, the NBA does have a global thing. You can do it European-wide. I think it was stunt. I think it was start countrywide. I think. Don't get me wrong. I think it would start countrywide the first few years, and I think it would expand. But let's just stick with countries for now. The idea of, of Wayne. Can you imagine how exciting it'd be on, on draft night? Wayne Rooney from the University of Liverpool goes to, and they're just looking at their kind of like envelopes, and everyone's waiting. Like it would be so. Well, no, you'd have to have like draft orders, right? So, for example, the team that wins the championship yeah. gets the first pick in the Premier League. Absolutely. Draft, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, so Wayne Rooney was born in 1985, which means he would have gone in the 2005 Premier League draft. Mm. So Sunderland, Wigan and West Ham went up. Sunderland would have got Wayne Rooney. Whoa, that would have been amazing for the region. And you have to have them on rookie contracts. So for example, let's say you have to have them for a minimum of three years. Rooney at Sunderland would be mythical. Imagine Wayne Rooney at Sunderland until he was 22. Incredible. Time to develop. Local hero. Just culturally, just what an, am- an amazing fit. And the kind of player Sunderland would then attract to play with Rooney and to know it was a place to develop. Before he went on and conquered the world, he would do incredible things at Sunderland. And the thing I love about the draft is it does incredible things for the regions. Like mm. the thought of having an iconic player this is the beauty of the NBA draft, actually. An iconic player coming to a town that doesn't really get that much shine. It's an amazing concept. What I a mean, great question th- that is. I think you'd have to have it league by league and country by country. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. The problem that you do have, and I know that this is all just a fantastical idea, but you know, what about the championship, League One, League Two? How do they draw players? The best players go in the Premier League, and then you have a second second round for the championship and all this kind of stuff. I don't know. I, don't, I haven't thought that far ahead. But in terms of, for simplicity in our little make-believe world, I think we just keep it at top level for now because otherwise it's just going to be no fun. But imagine then, so you abolish transfer fees, right? So no one ever pays a transfer fee for anyone ever wow. again. Okay. It's only done on trades. Which then means that you remove the possibility of funds being pocketed or misused. Do you then get a case like Sunderland where they splash out on all this money for poor players and end up just like falling down the leagues? It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Because you're always getting pieces back. So for example, if Sunderland know that Wayne Rooney's going to leave at the end, he's not going to sign an extension, you know, at the end of his three years there. Mm. Are they able to move pieces in order to bring more people because people want to play with Wayne Rooney? They are, but the tragedy is they still make terrible trades. This is the problem. Yeah, Yeah, because you know, badly run clubs are badly run clubs regardless of what resources they have, where they can splash out. Having said that, no, to be fair to Sunderland, I think that if you get a player like that, a generational player, you do make good trades because it's a different Mm. thing. It's about, it's different to have loads of money and to look at the world of football and be like, in the abstract, we could get X, Y, Z as opposed to actually have an asset that you see training every day and be like, to know and understand what the greatness is and be like, okay, we've got to go out and get. Having said that, do you know what? Let me correct myself. Look at the way that Bale was replaced by Spurs. At the end of the day, it's badly run clubs are badly run clubs, regardless of the system. Um, and the pieces they got back for Bale were inadequate because it's almost like they fell into the trap of thinking, we've got to replace Bale instead of going, no, let's get like, let's reconfigure everything. 
So I, th- I think, I think, but having said that, having said all of that, Ryan, I still think the trade system is better than the, uh, the transfer fee system. The reason I say that is because I think, and maybe this is anecdotal, everyone remembers bad trades in the NBA, bad trade deals, because comparatively speaking, there are way fewer of them. Like it's very, very, does that make sense? Like everyone can name a bad contract or a bad trade in the NBA, but it's much easier for me to name the top 10 bad trades in the NBA than the top 10 bad transfers. There are like just innumerable, terrible transfers in the Premier League. Because if you've got a, po- a pocket full of cash and you can just splash out, as opposed to like give something up for something, that psychological element of having to give something up that you've got for something, as opposed to just a limited pot of cash, it leads to a greater recklessness, I think. Yeah, no, no, I totally that agree. I totally agree. But also it, you, you're then, uh, you're, I think there's a number of benefits to having trades instead of transfer fees because you remove the psychological pressure of having an actual figure yeah. hanging over you when you join a club. So for example, you know, oh, this person you know, did this or did this or did this. And imagine if they started introducing the, like a collective bargaining agreement throughout the whole of Europe or you, they could do it federation by federation so that you could only sign a maximum of certain amount of money, but you only get that money if you stay at the club. So for example, if Wayne Rooney stays at Sunderland, he will actually be able to earn more by max, by doing a max and then a super max contract than he would do if he moved to United because of the collective bargaining agreement. You add all of these super interesting factors then and maybe it becomes way more cyclical. You kind of avoid tanking as well because then you get relegated. So yeah, tanking basically for those who don't know the concept of tanking is basically when a team does really, really badly in order to get Mm. a chance at like a really a higher pick. So like sabotaging your season. So you can't fully, fully ever blow a team up in order to tank because you'll get relegated in football whereas you don't in the NBA that's true or why well, you don't in, in US leagues I'm just I know what's really exciting about the trade concept is the kind of mega deals that go on between big clubs because mm. in the NBA you have sometimes three clubs will like trade between each other um, and then that means that actually a, you know a player like Andre Gomez who left um, Barcelona maybe doesn't end up at Everton, but gets a softer landing at another big club. You know, like, you know, cause that's one issue I've got with, um, with, with, with transfers, you can have a player that whose career momentum is absolutely completely derailed. Yeah. By, you know, you lose confidence, you're shifted off somewhere and it doesn't work out. Whereas in the NBA, I just get the feeling like if you are, there's a better chance of getting a good deal for the player and maintaining the momentum of the player's career. I would like to put in an extra point here though, which is obviously within the NBA, whenever you get traded, the player power is removed. You're just gone. Yeah. But you're staying within the same country unless you go to the Raptors and then you move to Canada. But I mean, from an ethical point of view, say someone loves living in London, only speaks English, and then you trade him to somewhere like another European country where they don't speak the language and they have no interest in being. That's so actually quite, that's quite bad. It's awful. It's awful. It yeah. is really, really bad. Actually. That's awful. Actually, <laughs> That's actually terrible. <laughs> and you have no warning. It just happens. Like, you know, you get yeah, it told. Just goes. So One I mean, if found- there was a, if there was a way of uh, everyone having to sign the deal off, yeah, then, then I, can, I, can, we, can I put that in there? Yeah. Everyone has yeah, to be, we can, you can't just trade someone. They have to agree to it. 
There you go. Have we solved that aspect of it now? The NBA player that got traded at half time. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. I can't remember his name was. He got traded at half time. He found out by someone else. Yeah. He found out through, through someone else. He was sat on the bench. Oh, that's kind of put a massive dampener on all of that though now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good job it never happened. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, let's do Do you want to do a fake trade before we go? Let's do a okay. fake trade. Let's all right. So, who do you want to be? Who, who, who do you want to be? What club do you want to be? I'll be Manchester United. All right. Well, for the sake of ease, I'll be Arsenal. Okay then. So, uh, general manager Musa Wonga of Manchester United. Thank you. General manager of Arsenal, Ryan Hun. Indeed. You're going to pick up the phone to me. What year are want? we in? What year? When are we we're in? in now. We're in the here and now. Okay. Can we be different people? I don't want any of your players. <laughs> I don't want any of yours either. So this is going to be an easy trade. Wow! 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 <laughs> wow! We've thrown in some spice already. Okay. If I did want, let's say I did want one of your players. I've already started the passive-aggressive negotiation. Let's say I did want one of your players, mm-hmm. and it's not a big deal if I did, but let's say I did want like Obama Yang, for example, just saying if I did want Obama Yang. I mean... Well, he's got a year left on his contract and we're not sure if he's going to re-sign. So obviously that's in your favour. Mm. And Pogba's kind of in the wind as well. I mean, what would you say to that? Okay, you want Obama Yang. I think I'd throw in someone else to sweeten the deal, though. I want one of your other pieces. I might have to offload some contracts. Really? What would you offload? What have you got? What's cooking? I want a Bamiyang. And okay. I'm, happy to put, I'm happy to put Pogba in the mix. But you've got to give me something. You've got to give me something more. Give me a taste, Jimmy. Give me a taste. <laughs> <laughs> give me a taste. How would you feel? Hmm. I want three players. You want three? I want three. Yeah, I want three. It's Pogba. You know what he'll do for your marketing alone. You're not getting. You're not getting Aubameyang plus three for Pogba. Aubameyang plus two. I want two. Your play. I want Aubameyang. You're plus still two not players. getting Aubameyang plus two for Pogba. Yeah, I am. He works because no, because people isn't expiring as well. If people remember. find out, if people find out, if your fan base finds out that you turned down Paul Pogba, World Cup. Yeah, but isn't Pogba on an expiring as well though? If we go, if we go in language. If we're going to talk, he, I think he's got another, I think he's got a year beyond. So he's got this. two. Like, has I he got two? Got, or has he got I one? Think I think he's got two. I don't know if he's got one. Because he hasn't signed an extension. Not that I know. If I, I think know. him and Aubameyang are both into their final year, right? Next year. Summer 2021. Yeah, so it's the same as Aubameyang. But we can unilaterally renew it for a further year, so long as we maintain the same contract or improve his wages. I think you need to take Ozil. I need to get that contract off. No, I don't want Ozil. Make it work for me. Make it sing, Jimmy. Give no. me something. Give me a taste. If, if, you, if you weren't prepared to take Ozil in the deal, I'll take another couple of you to get some contracts off. But if you weren't prepared to take Ozil in the deal, Who's the third then man? I'd probably hang up. Who's the third man? Mm. What pieces you got? Let's see what you got here. You got to feel the pinch on this, Jimmy. Stop calling me Jimmy. That's not my name. It is your name. I'd hang up on you. That's how I'm seeing. In the context of this, give me Martinelli. No, if you if you're talking Martin, you need to throw in Rashford. That's where we're getting to now. I had to add something. I had I had I had to ask something ridiculous just to get you mm. just to get your mind right. You can take Reese Nelson. Ooh, you can take Nelson, Özil, and Aubameyang for Ooh. Pogba, and I'll take Eric Bailly off you as well. I like that. I like that because I don't think you know who wins that trade. Then I think that Reese Nelson, Aubameyang, and Mesut Özil. Yeah, I like that. I'll take that. 
I'll take that. <laughs> we Let's just did do the first one. Oh my God, I'm going to get killed in the gentlemen's for this. Gentlemen's, gentlemen's agreement. We'll shake on it because I think that Pogba becomes... Oh, no. No, it's done. Thank you. I really appreciate it. That's fantastic. No, Bamiyang. I was going to... I should have thrown Jacker in. Bamiyang, Nelson and Ozil. Fantastic. Any more business? Any other business? Don't look so smug, you. I have a bottle of red. I have a bottle of red. You're welcome to stay. Ryan, the helicopter will take you back to the mainland at 2pm if you'd like, but if you'd like to stay for lunch... I don't know what's going on. Should we get out of here from this like- <laughs> super long podcast? <laughs> We're starting to lose our minds. I'm so happy. This is actually really... I've done a really good trade. You know Ozil's not going to stay around after that one year and Aubameyang's not, but Doesn't I can matter. sign Pogba for two. Doesn't matter. We'll have the fantasy back. Oh no. And you're not... Yeah. And you're gonna, are you going to play him up front with Rashford? Dude. Natürlich. Be wild. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. See, I think, I think, I think long term, that does Arsenal really well. That added Defen- well. defensive stability. Pogba signs for an extra year because I can activate his contract. So I get two guaranteed years out of him. You only get one from those two. Yep, no problem. Happy to take it. Because then and you, you are get- miles away from doing anything with those two. No problem. We'll take it. We need the goals. That's really interesting. But then you've got Ole Gunnar Solskjaer coaching Meza Ozil. Meza Ozil's not going to listen to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. We're, we're, we're working on that. Don't worry, we're working on that. We're working on that. Well, tune in next week for more fantasy Okwonga trade dogs. <laughs> there may or may not be a Pochettino WhatsApp group. Just so you Pot know. Pochettino going to Man United, Musa. Come we'll on. See yeah, yeah. Of, co- of, co- of course. Ryan, do you know what? The helicopter's there. We'll talk again. Maybe you should get in it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so super bumper long podcast this week yeah because, what should you call it helicopter talk or Kofi Annan get in the helicopter <laughs> get in the chopper get in the chopper get in the chopper <laughs> brilliant yeah let's call it get in the chopper okay, um, don't forget britishpodcastawards.com forward slash vote please go and vote for us in the listeners choice award uh, Moose and I go vote Moose and I will be on ask uh Moose and I will be on the Ask Cast on Friday yep, with yep. Andrew Mangan. Can't wait. And then we'll be back with another Stadio on Monday. And it's Black Music Month this month. It's also Pride Month. So combining the two with who we're playing out on this week, we're playing out on Max Man, track called Like a Killer, True Love is Always True. Just recently reissued on Dark Entries, a really great reissue label based in San Francisco. So yeah, don't forget all of the tunes that we play on are on our Spotify playlist. We have a few Spotify playlists there. There'll be a link in the description. Musa, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Yeah, of course. The most important thing of all. Here we go. Be good good to each other and yourselves. Yeah, stay well and healthy, everyone. And we'll be back on Monday. Absolute pleasure. See you soon.